I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Roll to Cast. We are an any winning variety TTRPG podcast that plays a different game system for each season of our actual play podcast. But we also interview the creators and minds behind the games that we play. As we are wrapping up, this is the final postseason episode for our Die RPG season when the party's over. And we have the good fortune to be joined uh, by a very special guest. But first of all, uh, if you don't know us, what are you doing? This is the last episode of the season. <laughs> Go back, listen to When the Party's Over, and you'll know that I am Ellen. I was the GM uh, for this season, or I also played Allegra, and I'm joined by Phil. Hello. Yes, I am Phil, and in the season I played uh, Toby uh, or the Neo. Hawk. Hawk, We had yes. to have four names apiece. <laughs> <laughs> and we have the immediate, uh, the, the great fortune to be joined by multi-award winning, multidisciplinary writer of just a few things you might have heard of, The Wicked and the Divine, Phonogram, Once and Future, Uncanny X-Men, Young Avengers, Darth Vader, Someone, Please Stop Me, I Could Go On and On and on creator of the die comic with stephanie hans uh, doing the art and creator of the die rpg with rowan rook and deckard it's kieran gillen howdy and the crowd goes wild <sighs> hello <laughs> i'm immediately before like various people join me i'm about to say i am co-creator of the die comic <laughs> As in, like, Stephanie is co-creator. Like, that's absolutely one of these kind of... Like, if I don't say that, I will be murdered on the internet. So, like, <laughs> Stephanie um, will um, track you down and murder you. <laughs> yes. No, no, I think Stephanie would have to do it. She has agents of these things. Oh. Uh, and they, you know, it's... Uh, Oh, there'll be a crowd. It'll be very exciting. Anyway, hello. <laughs> hello, Kieran. Hi. I'm so happy to have you. I have a little question to kick off that is so not that relevant. What's your favourite die? No system. No system at all. Just what's your favourite type of click-clack math rock? I'm literally holding a D20 at the moment. I've you know, got, finally got the ADHD Same-sies. diagnosis. <laughs> I have an enormous D20, uh, which I use as a... Which, A, I use as a fidget tool, and B, 
uh, it sort of was reference for die when I was actually writing it. I actually had the D20 so I could look and see the regions and work out where the maps are. Oh, so right. D20 is probably it, even though most of the games I play don't involve a D20. So apart from die, obviously, which does. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we, we're a sort of a non-D20 podcast ourselves. So yeah. uh, what what is yeah. your what is your favourite RPG or what are you playing at the moment RPG wise? Mm. Oh man, I hate the word favourite. It's one of these things that. <laughs> okay. Well, what are right. you what are you uh, what are you playing no, at the no, moment? I, <laughs> I, will enga- I definitely I will engage with the concept of favourite okay, at length. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it won't necessarily mean I will get to one. Yes. So the only game... So I've, I've got an 18-month-year-old and I've been travelling. So the only actual game I'm playing right now is uh, a mate of mine is winning a Conan D20 game, which has been going for like 10 sessions or so. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, that's about as trad as I've played in a very long time. Wow. And it's a giggle. I'm playing basically the Conan character and I killed a... Uh, I killed some animal. No, it wasn't an animal. It was a monster. And I held its body up and it made everyone else run away. And that's there's rules for that. And I quite like a trad game that has rules for holding bits of corpses and making <laughs> scaring people with them because that is pure Conan energy. Um, last thing I ran properly was I ran a trophy gold campaign. Like uh, I ran 12 episodes of Trophy Gold, which is amazing. It's a, it's a game I adore. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know that Gold. one. And yeah. we pride so ourselves. Good. You, <laughs> you flip, like, don't, don't start me over Trophy Gold. It's like, in fact, I wrote. A review in my newsletter of it so really breaking down why I like it it's um, it's uh, it, Gauntlet published it it was up to the Ennies this year best rules writing I think oh yeah. wow uh, and you know I think it got my vote um, I'm not quite sure because the Passiones de Passions is also a oh. so I, I genuinely can't remember who I voted for which is so good as well that's on um, my list you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you, you, honestly I, I played it and it's in fact the one I played was a cow we had a cowboy setting so it was like a retro kind of feel and I was playing the, the very dramatic woman who uh, owned the bar and walked around in red a lot and wheat and uh, it was lots of kissing it was, it was glorious <laughs> was your name Scarlet or something yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it was something like that I forgot I don't speak Spanish but I, look, I think I probably looked up the word for red in Spanish yeah. in that way <laughs> Left her lipstick all over. <laughs> Lady Roja. So I got my the current classic, La Belleza, I think. And it's uh, they get bonuses to roles if everyone's looking in when they enter the room. Oh. So it's basically, they're all, all about making dramatic entrances. Oh, and I all the it. classes are like that. If you're doing your thing, you'll get, you're, like, there's a character who's basically the innocent character. And if you're in over your head, you get bonuses to roles. So the whole game is about that. About, oh, wow. about, about playing your trope. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, really strong. Uh, it's a lovely bit of design. My favourite game is a teenager. Yes. Uh, probably, let's say Paranoia. It's not the game I played most. In fact, I don't think I ever played a satisfactory game of Paranoia. But in terms of like that moment when I realised, oh, wait a sec, this stuff can be art. Yeah. Like Paranoia, is, of course, is satire. And it's also like the, the moment, they've got the list of names on the back. It's like uh, Orwell and, uh, you know, what's it? Is it Orwell, uh, Huxley, Stalin. And it's like, um, and, the Mar- and the Marx Brothers at the end of the list. That, a, that's very funny. <laughs> but, but B, like the idea that games can be involved in culture and also games can be culture kind of came from there. Uh, or rather, there's the first time I saw something like that. I said, oh, this isn't just other stuff done in games. This is games <laughs> uh, working ways to talk about other stuff. I feel like uh, a kindred spirit in that because uh, we, we ourselves, we are uh, actors, we are writers, performers. And we have approached uh, the storytelling medium of RPGs in a way that, yes, it's fun. It's uh, a, a great way to spend time with friends, but it is a vehicle for telling stories with in-depth themes and exploring character. I think it's kind of natural, I guess, if you have that mindset that you wanted to kind of custom build a game where you could kind of the tools were there to to do that. Is that is that kind of the reason that Die was made? That you you wanted a game that could very easily be art. I mean, like 
I'm pausing here as because I think games are art anyway, so I don't think it's that. Yes. Mm. But and also my interest in games is wide, as in like there's one of these things like what I do is not necessarily always what I love as well. As in what I love is much bigger than what I do. Yeah. Um however, with all these caveats, there's two things I think which uh are in the reason for die one was i wanted to do something really stupid <laughs> like it, it kind of, after i finished whipped it i kind of made an, an oath to sort of uh, oath is the wrong word it's not like to the heavens and you know you, putting my you palm drove your you know. sword into a stone yeah, and you said never I, I will again not rest on t- <laughs> i will not rest till i wrote three hundred thousand words of rpg which got cut down sensibly um no um it was to do stuff that only I could do or would do. Right. That was after Wickdiff. It's explicitly a friend of mine called Lee Alexander, who is a writer. Uh, she said, like, there's one issue with that where basically it's all magazine driven and it's kind of based upon a variety of skills which are not common. Like, it involves um, me art directing because I used to work in magazines. It involves me basically finding real world journalists and asking them to interview the characters in the comic. But also, those interviews are done for real with me playing the characters in chat with them so the whole thing is done in an old because i used to play mushes back in the 90s like the whole text-based stuff yeah. so that kind of like level of improvisational role play stuff is not you know so if you add up all the skills required that's not a common bunch and it's an unusual work of art because of that so kind of one of the things i want to do is stuff that only i would do and kind of trying to do a first person a first principles rpg from scratch alongside the comic for no reason at all that strikes me as the sort of thing which not many people do or rather few people do and few people <laughs> do in the way i did it because um, it definitely comes from the second part of the answer is that what I love about what I always part of comics and kind of why I love games is I'm fundamentally a punk rock scene kid. I'm somebody who, who believes in do it yourself culture. Yeah, I believe one of the great joys of um, uh, comics is they're cheap, but games is because they are have what they call a low ceiling. It's not a low ceiling, a low floor. It's like you have there's two sorts of gigs. You've got gigs where you've got high stage where the, the performers are above the audience and you've got the low stage when the performers are much nearer the audience. And like punk rock bands are normally low stages. And the idea of a lot of what I do is trying to reduce that. And so much, to skip to another thing, <laughs> Alex Roberts, uh, I was interviewing her for the back of the, one of the die issues. And she had this great quote, which I'm going to paraphrase, is that um, culture tends to treat us that creativity is hard, that creators are kind of like these kind of godlike beings who come down to us. Uh, and deliver this and games don't games say uh, fuck that you know games we can make a world with just a few rules and a few story devices together every evening there's infinite creativity we all possess and that's kind of what games do and what die does to answer the question <laughs> is this is how i am gonna be a lot of this i'm afraid no what die does is me saying this is how i did die in other yes words, die is, is an example of the story i'm now going to give you the structure that allows you to basically do what i did so this is how you make fucked up people this is with needs and desires and make sure you you know these you've now got a group of real world people now here is how you make a world to sort of torment them and tempt them and then this is how I created a narrative climax. This was part of what I, I really wanted to pick mm. apart was mm. the interplay between them. So you say very explicitly at the beginning of the RPG book that I made these two things together. They were conceived of together. So I was wondering like what compromises had to be made or, or which led the other. Like, So did you kind of come up with characters that were going to have a story and then convert them into game rules because it kind of sounds like you you kind of you had the concept for die it's 
its world, its rules, and then you codified that. But was there sort of uh, any kind of direction from the other way where you were like, oh, I really want to have this paragon. I better write someone into the comic to embody it. Uh, it's complicated. I mean, the normal... <laughs> I'll bet. What? Will the game like die? No. <laughs> the one line I kind of... The sort of one line I've said quite a bit, but it's for a long time I wasn't sure which was the tail and which was the dog. Yeah. Mm. Like, you know, that kind of... Because is an RPG with a tie-in comic or a comic with a tie-in RPG? Yeah. Or, um, and it eventually got to the point where the dog had its own tail and became a kind of dog Ouroboros. <laughs> uh, and I... <laughs> Dogorobus. And I now, no, sorry, no, cut that, cut that. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that. And we, um, um, and now I kind of see them both in different ways of experiencing the idea that is die. This pure platonic idea that exists outside the comic and the games. If you kind of have them both, you kind of see die in more of its um, weird and infernal beauty. That's good. I mean, because I had the idea for die, but like, and it very rapidly became a comic, but it was an idea before it became a comic. Right. And it kind of comes from the, the, the core kind of moment was me thinking about the, um, it was the, it was me and my friends bullshitting at San Diego Comic-Con in the mall about whatever happened to the kids in the 1980s D&D cartoon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the idea, oh yeah, they'll be middle-aged now, wouldn't They're they? somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that call, in the evening, I suddenly had the, uh, I was, this idea stuck with me. Why is it, why is it sticking with me? And it was kind of like, oh, and then a part of me disappeared into a fantasy world at the age of 16 and never came out. And how has that damaged me? Like, how has my love of games hurt me as much as inspired me? And of course, I burst into tears because that's what I tend to do. Uh, and then it was like, okay, if I'm upset, I want to write. That's something worth exploring. Uh, and that's where the rest of it came from. So, like, immediately the soul was the first character. Uh, and then Ash followed very quickly. And I sort of built the group of people. But I also, at the same time, was working on, okay, I don't want to just do a straight D&D comic because that's not how I roll. I want to deconstruct why, because if I'm talking about why I, why I fell into fantasy worlds, I'm going to start thinking about, okay, what about these fantasy worlds appeals? Mm. So I end up starting doing the world building. And then the world building is very separate from the specific stories of the persona in the comic. Like, um, at the same time, it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm, creating the, I'm creating the paragons as ways to ex- these characters to express their nature. But at the same time, I'm creating the paragon classes as ways to interrogate classic tropes of RPGs, which, of course, is much more widely. I mean, you're talking about which came first. There's not really any comp- compromises the wrong way. Ideas is the thing. It's like a, mm, it's like a flow, yeah. an ebb and flow between the two kind of entities. Especially yeah. reading through the, like, we were talking about, so much of the book is is setting up the GM to go do like go do this go you know prep less prep less prep less than you think you need to which I find infuriating because some of us aren't award winning writers okay <laughs> you are you are you are any award winning podcast of That's course you you know true. you are. I actually did win an award for a play but uh, ah. I co wrote that so I can never feel justified in claiming it. <laughs> But um, but it's it, a lot of it is just a manual to kind of kick people off on their own imaginations. I then want to ask, like, die comic versus die RPG. Is there a sense that the die comic is the fantasy deconstruction of Kieran Gillen versus the game is whatever fantasy deconstruction you, the players, will bring to it? Or is there is it more just a deconstruction of of the whole genre? Yes. 
<laughs> okay, well, we figured that out. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Honestly, like, it, these are enormous questions in that kind of way. I said, yes. But, like, one of my problems as a, as a comic writer is that I, I'm the definition of too much. Like, when I had the idea of die, I thought, I know, I can make this elegant. This is, this is a character study of six people. Can they come to an agreement? What, uh, what you know, can well, we they couldn't. choose to leave Dial? <laughs> nah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Not these guys. We couldn't. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And of course, and that's why we have drama. I thought this is really great with to delineate character. And then all of a sudden, I find myself, oh, I'm writing the entire history of RPGs mm. at the same time. So like, Die the comic is serving multiple masters. <laughs> like, because that's the way my mind breaks. Uh, and that's the way my campaigns tend to work as well. However, Die the RPG is actually quite a lot purer than Die the comic. Like, the whole kind of history aspect is there in the structure of the, the rules and the character classes but it's less there in terms of the persona the game is much more about how can we do a, a character study of these people by externalizing their messed upness oh before i go further like a really good thing you reminded there like the dog and the you know the dog orobus like, dog orobus yep yeah, yeah. <laughs> once again yes. that's gonna turn up in the game now oh mate that's gonna be so good when i see that and go so we did that. I, i'll be so annoyed <laughs> But they're the yeah. best way. The Fallen. Oh, yes. Are the, originally in the comic, as the kind of the, the, I needed a kind of standard villain, something an iconic villain, which is, you know, iconic in the game. And I had the idea and the visual, and I had a half idea what they were. And in the game, I was wrestling with a different problem. I said, okay, I've made this really brutal combat system. It, I don't want combat to stretch out. It's explicitly combat is meant to be kind of in the Gygax Arneson mode, but at the same time, it's pretty quick. Because uh, it needs to leave space for people to talk in the persona level as well. Mm. But also, all this, but like, okay, someone could die really easily. Mm, boy, <laughs> could they? But player elimination shit. Like, what, you know, so I don't want to have that either. Uh, and also in the end game, I want player elimination to be quite quick as well. And it's like, oh, wait, maybe they just get up. <laughs> and that kind of like, oh, no, I'm going to, you know, player eliminations. And then I was, oh, they're the fallen, aren't they? And of course, they are literally the fallen. So in other words, the whole idea of the fallen being dead players came from a problem solving in the game. And then, of course, comes back into the comic as such a huge part of the story. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I felt like exploring a space and discovering what was there rather than... And occasionally ideas converted back and forth. But they basically... As I said the hologram metaphor before, but I do feel I'm exploring the idea of dying, almost discovering, which is the creepy kind of uh, thing about it. Well, you do. Well, you write. You write for a lot of you know. It's established universes. Uh, you you, mm. you have a you, you know your hand in, in a lot of worlds that other people are are, are deeply invested in uh, from the public side, and also you know they've been contributed from uh, by a, a you know a long litany of different writers and, and artists as well. Whereas, kind of, die is your it's your baby. So, was that daunting, or or did you sort of? Did you get carried away? Uh, I, I find, you know, restrictions are often the best thing in creativity. They help you kind of like hone your ideas into something. Did you find yourself sort of expanding out infinitely when you were trying to make die? Always. Uh, like, to 20 sides. <laughs> 20 sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A 20-sided like, die. isn't finished. You know, like the yeah, comic yeah. doesn't even explore the, all the sides of the dice. Um, yes is the answer. But kind of the, but I've done this before. Even though die is basically, die sprawled more than I initially intended. It's sprawled in a way that, I mean, I, I always feel quite bad that I want to be, I aspire to elegance and rarely achieve it. But at the same time, I'm really successful. You know what I mean? Like whatever weird shit I'm serving up works upon people. And the too much is at least part of my brand now. So in some ways I don't fight it as much. I must admit, I think my next stuff is, isn't perhaps a little bit more elegant. But like... Too much is maybe what I do. I mean, I'm a big fan of overwrite and then edit back. I think that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I aspire to be shit. And in that way, I'm always a bit happy. <laughs> <laughs> I've based a career People on like... that. <laughs> I don't honestly enjoy it. Like, writing a, like, 
uh, writing shit then editing is is like one of the one of the things I regularly give as writing advice is it's not about inspiration. Like inspiration, frankly, anyone can write when they're inspired. It's my, I have a job writing because I can write when I'm not inspired. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, you can always make it better. You know that kind of. And also, like at the very worst, writing something completely shit that doesn't work at all. It's like you know one thing that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, you know. So one of the one of the things we found when when playing die was uh, we, we made these personas and a lot of them, uh, are, you know, you've given the tools, as you said earlier in the interview, to make some, some fucked up people with, yes. with some deep insecurities. And when you make people like that, you tend to draw on your own insecurities. And I certainly found this with my creation is that I was suddenly playing with some of my very real anxieties and my very real um kind of fears in life mm. and i'm lucky enough that you know i've i've had some actor training you know i i can separate those sides of me and i'm used to kind of mining that out but were you kind of worried about uh, bleed and kind of emotional safety for your uh, general audience your players well, when I'm, you were making it i'm curious about this too because i listened to one of your seminars i can't remember which one but you said bleed was kind of the point with yeah Di. i mean bleed is neither like a positive or negative thing, I think, in terms of RPGs. And Bleed is just something to be really fucking aware of. Mm. Um, like, obviously, um, I mean, like, if you play, talk about the Nordic LARP sort of experience, in many ways, the Bleed is the, the reason why people are doing it, as far as I understand. Yes. Um, yeah. But but at the same time, also something to be aware of. So, yeah. I mean, kind of my, my real fear of Die was the fact that, I mean, there's a lot, if you're someone who's working in the indie space, there's obviously a lot in Die people be familiar with, like a lot, a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's a game that will some people from outside the traditional indie space will be playing. So I'm aware that I'm introducing stuff for the first time to some people. So like the safety tools are really important. Yeah. Like um, Kenna and Lauren, we got in to do the safety rituals um, and also have like make sure the most possibly messy stuff is there. At the same time, giving really strong, firm GM advice. I mean, a lot of PBTA games say address the character, not the player. Uh, and we explicitly go, no, the opposite. Like always say, hey, hey, Alan, how does, uh, tell me about how your persona feels. Bad. Bad if it's this game. <laughs> exactly, you know what I mean? Like if I just said, hey, hey, Alan, tell me, uh, tell me how you feel. Tell me if some time you've been hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's pushing the, and trust, some of the early, I had a really bad early play test where a player who hadn't ever really done something as emotionally intense as die was kind of like really kind of like thrown down a hole there. And immediately yeah. that was a kind of like, okay, more safety proofing, more safety proofing here. It's a fine line to walk, isn't it? Because you want an experience that, talks to people and they feel deeply but you also don't want to kind of put them at risk yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely so like all that is highly on my mind i was very aware that especially a class like the dictator i sometimes felt i was pushing a revolver across the table or something you know <laughs> like that kind of like, which is a different ttrpg <laughs> yes so, yeah. but at the same time like the idea that this is uh, games always do kind of i mean obviously die makes it really explicit yes but like games are always kind of mining a little bit that's what creatives do. We kind of mind like our feelings and turn them up or turn them down. And uh, and it's obviously part of die is about the question of why do we play games anyway? And of course, the whole end of the game is people choosing fantasy over reality. And that's like one of these fun. Do you want a game to continue or do you want the game to end? Yeah. And this kind of like, why are these people playing this game? And of course, it's that you've put some of yourself into them. It's kind of become, so why do I play games? Uh, and that's kind of what I hope people take away from it. Which kind of leads me into the thing of, uh, this has been one of the the most Im immersive gaming experiences, and and we go pretty hard at Rollcast. It's helpful that we've all had acting training and we've all worked with each other as actors in that respect. So we we kind of go balls to the wall in 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 that respect. But 
all the rituals that have been created for Dai lead to such uh, an immersive experience to the point where we were first role-playing the reunion. That was about almost like an hour 30 non-stop just as our personas. And I guess my question is, how did you come up with that? Because I guess it leads into the thing of you have to care. You have to really invest for this game to work. And that's a huge buy-in sometimes for uh, new role players or, or even just some role players. We've all heard the stories of sitting at a table and someone's not into role play. Someone's more into the mechanic side of things. And some people really want to go ham with the role play. But if we're not all investing in these fucked up people, the game doesn't kind of work and the mechanics do that so beautifully. So how did you create these these rituals so that bleed can happen but in a really safe um, safe way to keep everyone immersed and giving their everything in the game. One of the most careful things of the die design is basically this set, the first session. And the session, first session is basically a session zero plus a little bit of game. It's one of these bits that the whole kind of first session of rituals is very, very on rails, in a, but in a way that gives you a lot of room to customise. So you start with the persona gen stuff where you ask the questions to everyone. And then you've got this miniature Nordic LARP where everyone embodies the persona and then creates their characters. Then you've got this miniature tutorial about the actual game where you go into the world, have the magic girl transformation moments, have your kind of initial combat, and then you have the cliffhanger of, oh my God, we're in our teenage fantasy world. And like So that kind of shape um, is one of these things that, I, that, that obviously... It's one of these classic things. The first session is the session you play test most. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's really home again and again and again. I mean, early in die play tests, like, the Persona Gen questions was entirely open. Like, I generally started the game with, okay, what kind of group we're going to be playing? Uh, and just work, how do we know? It? And, you know, to even have the go to a fantasy world, so have, sorry, go to your teenage RPG world as a, as a core element. That came later in the play test when I realized, oh, no, that works for every group. Um, so, like, it was originally much more open. So, I had the broad shape. But then he was playing better, better ways to sort of guide people. One of the lessons, of course, I learned for a lot of indie RPGs um, is that the classic idea of D&D where you make your character, then you get together and you've all got your big sheets of paper. Or some, someone's written 20 pages of the background. The problem of that for a game like Die is no, one is invest, no one's not invested in each of us character in the same way. So for me, it was important. Okay, we do Persona Gem and we're making these people together. Because it's one thing important in writing is you don't make characters you make relationships mm. yes like yeah. characters only exist in context of every people because your boundaries of what you do and what you don't do are about that so if everyone makes it together a you're making these connections um and b everyone gets the chance to chip in like oh no i could be your ex oh yeah oh yeah yeah maybe we made out no oh, no not ex maybe made out once and everyone is of course invested not just in themselves but also the group of people that's the first step and the fact the questions really kind of like You'd said earlier about narrowing the, the, the sheet of paper limitation. The fact the questions we designed were like, okay, let's tr- stuff that drills down and makes people interesting. And of course, you always ask more questions, but these are kind of, we'll make, you know, you're going to, we're going to help you make, your people will be broadly interesting if you do this stuff. I think my, I think my favorite was the kind of uh, like, what did you kind of aspire to when you were a teenager? <laughs> yeah, guess what? And, <laughs> and then the, fo- the following question is, how did that all go horribly wrong for you? Yeah. I think that's guaranteed to make something interesting. That one is my favourite because the special one, which is the same first question and the split. So it's like, what did you want? And then the, the, the second half is, oh, that thing, you, you didn't get it. 
And then the other one is that thing you got, it didn't make you happy. Yeah, yes. which is so much worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that works for, for Toby really I'm well. I'm so curious uh, in terms of, uh, I was kind of thinking about, you know, s- some of your other work being about kind of the way that teenagers use art to either enhance themselves, augment themselves, present their true selves to the world. What makes it really important that we go back to the teenage versions of the personas as opposed to jumping right in with these fucked up adults there's something very uh beautiful about yeah seeing how it all how the world works it's it's machinations upon these people um but yeah what 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 is it about adolescence and and why is that so important to die (laughs) to die i mean die the game (laughs) sending emails all the way through this process you can't just have a subject line die you have to say regarding the rpg die or something just just warn that you know no i'm not trying to murder you hey kieran are you ready to die (laughs) you ready for die Um, short version is like that kind of think that's more the comic side in terms of like the original ideas and uh, suddenly realize this is a great way to talk about like, comparing these teenage fantasies to their adult realities and that was the kind of the one sentence the idea that this is what I wanted back then this is who I am now and that's really powerful and that's a fundamental interesting story and then so in other words when I was trying to do Die the RPG it was like, okay the core cool story of Die has to be the core cool story of the comic so there was rituals you know if someone comes oh i really like the comic i need to have you know and this is your chance to make your own version of that story as in hello teenagers then hello sad adults you know so that that's the reason why rituals works like that of course you'll note like there's all the other personality groups at the back uh and you know there's all the scenarios so there's lots of other different ways of playing die mm. it, die basically is just take a group of real people lob them into the fancy world um see what they'll you know see what they really want uh, that's kind of the structure so but but the choosing of all those options because you know the options at the back are like people who are workmates like um uh people who are actually still at school people you know ex- all these other different kind of groups choosing that one is explicitly the i think this is the best one for a single game of die you know that's the thing about when we're, when we're building like moving die from the beta working with grant and zach on this was this sort of the idea that like we will say if you're going to play a game of die most people probably only run an rpg once mm. and i say that not as a bad thing because there's a lot of rpgs like if you're going to play you're going to probably play one game of die like maybe at least you know and we want that game to be as good as fucking possible so in other words this is the if we're going to make a random roll dice that we think this will work we think this will work for you yeah uh, and that's the reason i think it's just it's a really strong archetypal story of loss and sadness and um, melancholia but sometimes one of the fun things is really adaptable like the 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 um your teenagers now you're adults like at the first thing is okay how adults are we like are we talking about 20 somethings are we talking about 30 something you know what i mean like immediately they all they change different stories because you know who you are at 20 is very different to how you are at 30 uh, 30 something and so on and so forth and and teenagers are are naturally in flux they're they're mm. forming yes. so they can kind of go whichever direction yeah, yeah, yeah. life pushes them yeah. and you do pick up a lot of well you pick up a lot of personas as a teenager yeah, you yeah. pick up masks yes. you 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 find an album you love and that becomes you that becomes part of your personality for you know 20 yeah. odd years uh, <laughs> 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 exactly I see one of the really fun persona groups are ones where you have mixed age groups so like there's a few of the, like there's a few of them I think in the back and they're certainly in the further ones we're doing the idea of like like a family gaming group that's interesting because that's a messed up dynamic. Like I've, I've just been watching the bear and like the, oh, the, the bear Christmas wow. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I've still, t- still two episodes to go. But like, 
You know what I mean? Like, drop those people into a fucking die scenario, see what happens. I feel like uh, the bear <laughs> is a perfect, uh, like, it's, it's a microcosm of most RPG groups where it ends up with everyone, like, so fucked up by their own traumas and uh, just screaming at each other, trying <laughs> to achieve the same yeah. goal. You talk about how hard you're going in. One of the things about die, I think, is interesting. You were saying, like, why we play games. There's also quite a lot of dies about, like, the group deciding how it works. Like, even, like, the the in-game, like, obviously, the, the Persona Joe stuff is quite deliberately soft. It's, in, it's, it's as indie RPG as you get. But the the in-world stuff is, lo- at least looks like a Guy Gax Arneson game. But, mm. like, the closer you look at it, it's like, oh, no, there's so much stuff the players decide. Okay, what does this work like, then? And at least part of that goes all the way through Die in that it becomes, and this is true of all RPGs, but, like, it's certainly including Die, it gives back a lot of what you put into it. So you, as a group of, like, you know, actors, serious people who know your shit, are throwing in the powerful character drama stuff but like if you're a group of people who are much lighter die basically works as jumanji you know you take a group of people who maybe aren't this fucked up they go to a fantasy world they go on an adventure they kill the guy who drug them there they fuck off you know that's still fun yeah you know what i mean like and, and yeah. it can be a bit goofier even i think you're giving us a lot more gravitas maybe than than we deserve because uh <laughs> i i instead of saying uh, phil's character is um is a local politician uh, and instead of saying MP, because I wanted his opponents to represent the, the MPs that he would stand against in life, I accidentally said PM uh, <laughs> and made him verse up against our Prime Minister from the 2000s. So um, I wouldn't say we're that serious, Kieran. <laughs> if, if you haven't seen how I run, it's like, it's a mix between the goofy and the heartfelt. I think that, that's what I quite like, because the aesthetic in my comics, like, it's pretty fucking dumb half the time. At least part of my thing is like, and part of Dyer is like, being petrified of your children, your childhood toys, you know, which is silly, but at the same time, it's also primal, mm. <laughs> you know. I like this idea that yeah, all RPGs will necessarily kind of reflect back their members, mm, and absolutely. and die is just is just making that explicit. It's like, what if it it literally reflected you? What mm. if what if it literally threw your insecurities back at you, and you had to live them? Uh, and then I guess yeah, if you are if you are approaching more gravitas, you're going to have graver things come back at you so it, it kind of I, I i see how that's kind of self-limiting which is is kind of good yeah what, one thing i wanted to touch on uh which i think is is something that you kind of see come up throughout the stuff that that you take a lead in is you kind of play with this idea of divinity of sacredness i mean the the, the rituals themselves are a kind of sacred idea is there something that you're you're trying to kind of deconstruct there where you're kind of trying to take the sting out of uh, out of the divine and the supernatural, the wicked and the divine. Yeah, I know. That, that, I know, right? But that is that whole the whole premise of the wicked and the divine is is the the melding of the of the the holy and the human. Mm. Is that something that you find yourself returning to again and again? And and do you know why you might do that? I think that, that, all my answers are basically stop if it's complicated. Uh, <laughs> it's good. Um, I like complicated. Yes. I think. I mean, I'm somebody who is. I was raised Catholic. I'm somebody who identifies as atheist at the moment. Not in a particularly angry, boring internet atheist way. Just as a mm. kind of, I just don't think it's true. Mm. But at the same time, I'm somebody who understands the transcendence and power of art. Like, there's a kind of one of the things I got when researching Wikdiv is it's quite a common theory that the idea that um, art is basically misapplied religion. The idea that we, we we gained religious rituals and then made artistic ones. And I just think that's completely the wrong way around. Yeah. <laughs> I think religion is misapplied art. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think that's like the way things, have, you know, what what is most religions but the most best story in the world? 
you know, the idea that this is a story enough to transform you and make your life about this. Mm. It's kind of like an all rivers lead to the sea kind of idea that they're all kind of searching for that kind of transcendence yeah, yeah, yeah. and mm. they're all different paths to it. Yeah, a story that means something to us in a way that makes our life worth living. So I'm somebody who absolutely believes in the, in the power of art in that way. And also in Petrified of Art, most of my stories are also about how art will destroy people. And the die is explicitly like, you know, I start by saying, how has RPGs hurt me? It's also, if you read die, it's also about how the RPGs find people. How can you transcend yourself through them? And I'm always interested in the upside and downside of everything. So um, <laughs> these are just themes that interest me as someone who's famously, la- you know, the fact I'm this aggressively lapsed Catholic and my Catholicism is increasingly obvious in my work. Um, but I, where it came from originally with Die was I was interested in reclaiming the magic of early weird D&D before anyone... Because obviously the reason why D&D and RPGs are so big now is they've been demystified. Like the reason why my wife decided to play RPGs eventually was because Harmontown did that, you know, tiny RPG&D bit at the end. And she, and she was like, became, oh no, I get it now. I can understand this is something I would do. And there's so, I was speaking to actual play people, you know, there's so much about the idea of RPGs are much more accessible because people just fucking get it now. They don't need to be mysterified. Mysterified, that's not a word. However. It is now. <laughs> yeah, mis- I, don't be mysterified, kids. Sorry. <laughs> if Willie Shanks can do it, you can make up a new word. That's the rule. <laughs> However, in the, 19, like in the 1980s, it was weird. Yeah. Like when I first saw a D20, people didn't know what the hell that was. The, the, D&D looked odd. All those RPGs looked odd. And the, the satanic panic existed for a reason. I mean, there's a really, I forgot the name of the book. It's one of the, it's a book about RPGs and religion, which I, I named, it's not near me, I can't see the spine. But okay. specifically, it made the it made the argument, it's like there's a reason why they, religious people were kind of scared, you know, worried about D&D is, oh no, it's fucking with the magic circle. Mm. Right. There's, you know, religions are a bit, religions are a bit like RPGs. They've got their own rituals yeah, they got their own sacred circle yeah. Hierarchies yeah 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 and it, it, it's taking the sacred circles and all that stuff and applying for a very different purpose so like the overlap the, they weren't wrong but at the same time a lot about obviously i grew up in the satanic panic it was very different in the uk's but i definitely watched it in america and as a way of it all going down but we kind of won you know the fact that RPGs are so successful meant that i reckon we can reclaim the satanistic imagery of the 80s and apply it to a game again <laughs> And for me, that was the thing. Let, let's pretend they are evil things that drag you to another dimension. Let's uh, let's make it like a magic ritual where we have to pass the dice around. And let's treat those items as these weird, iconic, diabolical objects. Because <laughs> there's a there's a there's a friction of power there. You know what I mean? Like, let's pretend it is. It's a bit witchy. Yeah, yeah, witchy. Yeah. Like, so I lent into so much of the witchiness, um, and that's fun. You know what I mean? And that kind of digs back to the that I said the observation by that there is so much of the stuff that is ritualized in RPGs. And we've kind of stepped away and made it safer. But, oh, no, no, it is sacred. What we're doing is sacred. And dice were a sacred object in so many cultures. They're the hands of fate, the expression of, of yeah. you know, divine will, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it. Exactly. Yeah, there's a great, um, I can't remember, I did it in that bloody essay, but there's, um, there's a, a great paper about how theatre, sport and games they're all very, very similar. It's just some use external forces. Some use fate to, to essentially change the outcome, whereas... Others know, are pure tests of skill. Skill or, or you know, just rote memorization. Hopefully there's not going to be too or many interpretation of, of something. fate in a production mm. of Hamlet. But it's an interpretation yes, of something. So yeah. they all use a kind of different lever to, to move things. Yeah. Exactly. So that I guess that means, you know... Chance and the mechanics are super central to it. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And I wanted to, I guess I'll introduce this question from, from one of our, um, oh, you wanna, one of our uh, fans. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to seg into it. I feel kind of a nice place to put it. We've, we've, not, we've, we've not got that many, so we can kind <laughs> yeah, of seg. Yeah, yeah, seg them in. Seg them in. So uh, the one I was, uh, uh, this is the one about balance. Do you want to explicitly read it so I don't muck it up? Uh, absolutely. I believe this is from Giorgio. Uh, do you think that a TTRPG system always needs to be balanced? And how did you approach this question with Dai? Short answers. Any question which says the word always will always get a no from me. There's always exceptions. Uh, sorry, you should always uh, look both ways before crossing. That's that's a fact. Maybe not. Maybe being chased by a monster and it'll slow you down yeah. and you'll be eaten. You know what I mean? There's always <laughs> well, an what exception. What if you're being chased by the monster uh, but you still get hit by the car? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm such a little contrarian. Well, yeah, but you're definitely going to be hit by the monster. You might get hit by the car. This is all we're going to yeah, talk yeah, about for right. 20 minutes. Uh, Short answers, like balance, it's one thing, there's many great board games. Let's go to board games, because a lot about die is me lifting from stuff which isn't just RPGs. I said, I said before we started, like, I think art is most interesting when it's taking from other places. Like, for me, RPGs are part of the larger spectrum of games. I mean, if you look at the end game of die, when you're all arguing about whether to go home or not, that's me being inspired by um, reality TV shows. Yeah, it is, it is, it is, it's Survivor, you know? isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very simple. I heard you reference Drag Race at a certain point, but maybe <laughs> that was just me oh, yeah, yeah. fading off into I mean, I- time <laughs> i forget what i said about drug rights but you know the point of all these those reality tv shows the rules are simple but the people are complicated mm. and, and depending what different people you put in you get different results however if they're going to balance like look at there's a board like, sort of like let's go to an old board game which illuminati which i okay it's, it's not one i would necessarily play now but illuminati was entirely based this conspiracy based game where people are trying to take over the world um, and some of the class power classes are just better than the other ones this if you're playing the bavarian illuminati you are better than other people However, the game is about the fact that the power imbalance means everyone's immediately going to hate you. It's a game of like warring secret societies. You're immediately the big target. That game is based around the fact this person is more powerful. So bringing that out to die, yes, it's a short answer. The problem is, like, I don't know how you would have found this. Like, obviously, die's math's pretty solid. It's pretty bad, you know. Um, it's designed to work inside certain numbers of dice pools. Love a dice pool. As someone who's bad with maths, love a dice pool. So <laughs> that was totally. We could talk a lot about. It. One of my entire aims was to talk, make remove maths. As I wanted as little math as possible in dice. It's about recognizing shapes. That's kind of, but that's a different topic. I should reprint my. I, I've lost this because it was in the um, beta at some point. But I did my kind of designer notes as in my goals for die. And I, that's not online anymore. I should just stick it in my newsletter. Recognising shapes would also be great if there was a mechanic to literally dance in an RPG, but I'll just float that one and, and you can sort it I out. I do like dancing. Yeah, if you can just sort that out later, <laughs> you make that game. Well, I guess when, you, when you're when making characters that, you know, classes that everyone has to play, 
you don't want them to be too asymmetrical because you don't want anyone at the table to feel like left they're out. left out, like <laughs> left behind. Is that something that came in playtesting? That was actually the flip. As in, I wanted Die to mystify the other characters from each mm. other. So like, yeah. the core mechanics, are, literally the core mechanics are very simple. As in, you know, every, and, but like the specific class mechanics are bespoke to each one. Everyone has a very different way of interacting with the world. Yeah. And so I wanted the other players maybe not even to know what the other people can do that well. As in, my God, they can do that. As in, you know what I mean? That, that kind of, because I, I talked about the remystification of, you know, treating the dice like objects. The other side was like trying to create that. And the other side of die when the GMing is, you know, it's putting more power in the GM's hand than it's traditional a lot of indie RPGs anymore in terms of like, instead of like just asking the player for stuff, it's the you ask the players for stuff and then the GM twists it. So the world is fundamentally unknowable, which I find an interesting part of classical RPGs. However, to get around to the actual balance question is like um, there's a part of die where I wanted them roughly balanced because it's quite important for the end game because they've got to all to basically be able to kill each other. Yeah, mm. <laughs> sure know? and also close to one shot each other. Yeah, we got we got we got voiced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not guaranteed, but like you've I got a, you've got a pretty good chance. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It came ours came down to a, a like a voice roll. Our final fight came down to and it was like it was one or two successes. It was yeah, a knife edge, a right? A voice roll and then a final cheat from the GM, which failed, which is a 50-50. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I guess the balance is more is more about equal kind of scope rather than numerical balance. Is that right? Yeah, there's a little bit of numerical balance because you've got to work out how, how many hit points people have, you know, how much yes. health, that yeah. kind of stuff. But also it's balanced. It's the way I used to say it. I've made sure everyone's overpowered. <laughs> Yeah, yes. it does feel that way. It does feel that way. And, and it doesn't matter. Like, in the extreme case, oh, no, I can do 10 health and I can do 4 health. The fact that people only have 3 health means they, you know, they're equally able to kill each other. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like, I, I don't even like it. I imagine that someone might have a crazy build that does that. But, like, there is, as long as players are able to actually put their will upon the world, it's okay. So that's the thing. There's, some, there's quite a lot of like, low-level balancing and make sure people can basically do that amount of stuff. But like, it's not really a combat game. Most apart from that final encounter, and even the final encounter is much more about the are you going to stab people? You know that you know it's not a game about combat. Even though I think the combat rules you know work. Um, so yeah, it was always on my mind, and occasionally got an ability that was way too. Like I cut the originally all the classes had an exploding d6, so every six exploded in the system, which just obviously slowed the game to stupidly with our big dice pool. But then the four had basically they explode their d6s. They had that ability just themselves, and that led to the full basically being able to roll a lot of specials almost constantly. If you've got a, like, a, if you've got a four dice pool, which makes them thematically chaotic and unpredictable, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah, but it was too swinging, you know what I mean? As yeah. it was just the got the point, and also like the 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 chance of it blowing out was way too high. So in the final game, it gets to oh, it explodes once, so it's a chance for an extra success, which is much more limited. So yeah, occasionally I was aware that oh no, this is way too much. But like at the same time as that basic game level, you've also got the second set of powers, which is the narrative level stuff. Like the fools giving away their dice, the masters cheating, or like overcharging your gun. They are your emotion knights killing armies. You know what I mean? Like that stuff is so grotesquely overpowered. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we and we as we were all all in on like, hey, we get flashbacks. Use your flashbacks. Yeah. Like we really gamed those yes. sometimes. Yeah. We're like, 
right, I need a, I need to I need to come up with a flashback because I need an extra dice. I had a post it note on my book <laughs> saying remind everyone to use their flashbacks. And it's such a cool narrative tool to be like, if you can tell a better story in this moment, you get a bonus. Mm. I think that's really good to kind of reflect the to to reward the narrative mechanics as much as the, oh, the yeah, dice yeah. themselves. Was it also a, a, a thing of trying to because uh, the longer you go and die, the the longer you're in the world of die or in this fantasy world, were the flashbacks a, a good way to kind of remind the characters and the paragons both of the real world so that it's, you know, because you want both sides to be tempting. You want it to be tempting to go back to your real world where it's all nice and safe and you also want it to be tempting to stay in this fantasy world. Was it a kind of thing to to be able to touch base back with reality? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, like, you can actually flash back to the real world as much as you like, but kind of like I put the... um Specifically, that was let's give a little mechanical thing to sort of kick people to engage with the real world. Because there's, um, I mean, you know, plus I could just say yes. I, you know, I mean, the joking yes. <laughs> you completely explained what I want. But one of the problems of like narratives is like, you know, they've got that internet thing where um, I wrote an essay about this in one of the betas. It got cut for the, the full game for obvious reasons. It was too long. But like, you know, that people talk about like how sad um, Luke Skywalker is when uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi dies. Spoilers. Uh, you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> We'll bleep that. It's fine. Like, but, but, but Princess Leia is pretty much doesn't care about Alderaan. You know, Princess Leia goes, oh no, and then gets on with it. I find that very feminine. <laughs> no, but also, Luke Luke had his, uh, his his aunt and uncle murdered like early on, and he kind of gets over that very quickly. The reason why that isn't because anything to do with the characters, what it is because that Obi-Wan is much more real to the audience than Alderaan is, because yes. we spent a lot of time with Obi-Wan. That's the thing about RPGs. If the longer you spend in the fantasy world, the more the fantasy world becomes real and the real world becomes fantasy or like a memory. And that's one of those, like there's so much of the GM advice is always ask about the persona. Like if I'm running a combat, especially the first combat, like almost every role will be, okay, how does that, how does that feel? Or like, you, like okay, you, you've just seen your girlfriend murder somebody. How do you feel about that to somebody else? You know, always trying to ground it in that way. And the, the flashback mechanic was my one big hammer to um make sure that play- you know even the even the most mechanically minded players will be thinking about the real world you know yeah, what i mean yeah yeah like there's something your group does like this is not common not common or it's not part of the core game is you gave your characters as in not the personas names yeah like and that's deliberately not mentioned in the game because obviously some players will do it but like the second you give the persona the character a name they become a little bit more real and like I want to, tr- and I'm trying to encourage players to think about. Oh no, you're the persona is the real person. The character is like suit you, somebody you, you become. Well, that that might that have been became a thing where you yeah. know one of the one of the characters didn't want to use their their name. They kind of refused. Yeah, and others mm. bounced bounced back and forth with it. So it became another kind of emotional lever to see who was invested in the fantasy. There was also just a, there was a little thing. To necessitate that, which is that we're an audio only, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're an only audio only format, and and I w- have wanted to play die as soon as the you know as soon as the comic came out, and I flipped you know was reading the author's notes, and it's oh my god, it's also it's also going to be playable, hell yeah, and I was thinking, how the fuck do I tell this story that's going to have it's a story of you know Ellen Phil. Um, I say the rest, not to disparage my fellow players, but just because there's a lot of us. But, you know, Ellen Phil at a table, but also 
the the personas of our characters and then those personas as, as paragons they're just I just wanted a way to easily <laughs> differentiate between everyone for listeners yeah yeah, yeah who but, might be doing other things like driving or yeah. kitchen work you know cleaning that's interesting that it's not common because I found it was a great um yeah touchstone to to really hammer home when I wanted to stick the knife in uh, the persona, the or, persona the paragon. or the paragon. Yeah. So that's that's really interesting. It's true. Like, it's like it's always say it's not common because it's obviously a choice people make. But at the same, time, and I don't say I don't think it's a bad choice. It's just the way that especially more inexperienced RPGs they start thinking, oh no, I'm am I an elf now? Yeah, 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 you know, it's like no, you're still the real you're still the real person. You're so that's a way to basically make sure the conversation for like new players are focused on the basics. Isn't oh no, I'm someone from the real world who's now in a funny body in a world. And as long as they remember that, the end game work. Mm. Yeah. So like, yeah. but like the, the players have all. I mean, like it's great. This is what I said at the beginning. Like the um, not beginning the throwing different personas and changes everything. I mean, like I remember like I, I've had games where like the persona pick, event obviously refused to pick up the dice almost forever, which is fine. That's a great game. One person being dragged around unwillingly who doesn't have any powers. That's <laughs> if that player wants that, that's fun. I mean, yeah, I remember like, yeah. the, like one of the this first or second game I ever ran the full character basically had a complete nervous breakdown and had to they transformed their fool but they didn't do use their powers once and just basically had to be see carried and protected and they're hiding <laughs> in corners and they, they end up like and they end up like winning the game not winning but you know making the master the master just, again, yeah, yeah. yeah the master hugs hugs the fool and the, the fool hugs the master and it says please you know and, that, and it's a really beautiful moment of their, 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 their these this queer relationship so that's a big moment for the characters you know what i mean and they didn't involve them you know turning away from the mechanics is also embracing the mechanics if that makes sense because it's about what you do with these bodies um so i mean it's, these are, that's what interests me about is it's all about the, the the people you make and of course the people you are so yeah it's fascinating choices i have one one specific question that I want to ask before maybe we segue into some of our our um, the rest of submitted our... questions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we were talking before about the fallen, and as you were t- talking about the fallen, I-, I thought, "Oh fuck, Phil doesn't know this <laughs> because uh, we we didn't have any uh, well, we didn't have any players return as fallen per se, and there were I I did forbid them for for reading." asked a certain point in the comics <laughs> um, yeah. just because I wanted a few aces uh, up my sleeve and, and for them to discover things in real time. How how much does secrecy tie in or how much secrecy is there in the game? Um, because, you know, like you said, you wanted there to be an element of, of surprise and everything in Dice seems to be coming to life as you play it, the the game unfurls, things become real as you say them. You have no idea what's going to happen when someone picks up their die. You don't know what powers the others have. You don't know where they've been exactly. if, since they've been and teenagers. And you don't know what happens when you die in the game. So so how do you kind of uh, toe the line between, um, yeah, keeping secrets between uh, players and, and um, uh, personas? I'm not that interested in secrets. What I'm interested in is in uncertainty. You know what I mean? As in like, like the players may, like they may know they're going to be the Neo, but you don't really know you're going to be the Neo until you get the dice past you. Yes. You know what I mean? And that, and that's the, the magic moment being given the dice is basically, oh, you know, it's the, uh, you here's the one ring. and that's like you you may know that you're going to get that dice because you've talked about it but that moment is magical and like in all uncertain you know i mean so in other words yeah you even if people know the comic really well they can't be sure that's going to happen when they die yes and that's true (laughs) like there's a there's certain other ways of running fallen and that's what i'm interested like because 
having playtests all the way through because like the first playtest no die didn't exist the comic so people were playing didn't know anything about it and like and then all the way through we got people more people who read bits of the comic yeah. or like some of the or, you, know, you always have mixed groups and i think the what you really get from a mixed group or any group is if you know the comic back to front what you get is people who can lean into the choices as you know what's on the so they they know what a neo might be like they know what the sort of stories die tell so you can lean into it conversely the um your players don't know you get surprised you genuinely get the what the hell is going on and both of these are really cool <laughs> the other side is like um and so, when i say uncertainty is more interested in secrecy because i'm quite pro players like player information is generally open and die as in like it's like if you have a crush on somebody not like the crush is secret you probably want to say the crush oh yeah i'm in love with this one but in persona oh i'm in love and i've never told them yeah um and then the other players all get to lean into it because there's nothing better in a game than somebody who has a crush on somebody else being basically tormented by that person without them realizing of course that only works if the other player actually knows this person has a crush or the classic everybody else knows knows, but they didn't they don't know that everyone it's (laughs) obvious to everyone that sort of thing yeah yeah yeah. this what i mean this what i mean it's like so that so secrecy per se is almost an enemy of drama because secrecy is opposite of care you have to care you have to understand to care conversely like uncertainty is amazing not being that's why that's why dice are magical like yeah this when we took the the reason why the story becomes alive when you roll the dice is the uh okay what happens now you mentioned the whole kind of the role for the dictator that's one reason why the, the the system leans quite short combats because a slow attrition isn't interesting. That only the last dice roll where someone lives or dies is interesting. <laughs> uh, so, like making the dice have more meaning uh, is like one of the things that a lot of my favorite RPGs do to uh, to increase that. As an know, we turn into the dice, and now the story will fundamentally change. Uh, so that that's what uncertainty. That principle of say yes or roll. Yeah, yes. is if it's not if it's not interesting. If failure isn't interesting, then it then don't bother. Then don't yeah. Don't then bother. It just happens. Just happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of embodied yeah. in the game. Yeah. We're, we're running past yes. our hour. Let's yes. make sure Absolutely. that our, the guys who submitted questions get their questions in. Uh, I guess this one, this one kind of feeds into as we're coming off talking about. Um, you know, personas and paragons. Uh, Hurricane Hawk slash Paul uh, has asked. <laughs> sorry, I copied the whole thing, so it starts. Hot damn! <laughs> Hot damn, indeed. Uh, he, w- Hot damn. he was very excited that we would get to talk to you. Hot damn! What was the hardest archetype to create? <laughs> I'll tell you, the master, uh, or rather, not the not the GM master, but the actual player master, because mm. I basically spent the whole die development up to a certain point working on the five paragons as I bounced back and forth between them. Like it was often a case of like they all sort of exist in a way. Then we playtested, and then one got a bit more work, and was cl- and then now, clearly this other one was oh no, this now this is shit compared to the other one. Now it's just boring. <laughs> so like, I, but I got to you know I got to move them up and down in the mix so that they all kind of developed at the same time and became sort of even. Um, then the master, then the end. Okay, we have to make a player master. And it's like, okay. Now the player master is right at the bottom of the scale, and all the other classes are quite good. <laughs> <laughs> they had a big, you had a big mountain to climb with that one. <laughs> exactly to make it catch. I mean, of course, it's still not a part of the core game. It's like early. Actually, my aim was to make the player master what is now the player master just the master. And I got talked out of that by RRD because the GM doesn't need to worry about that. This, you know, the GM this, give it. The GM has so much cognitive load; they don't need to have all the stuff the player master needs. So, and that's what's improved the game enormously. It was it really was the right choice. But the player master was definitely, okay, how can I even do this? Especially because I had the core idea of like, the player master has cheating, which is very improvisational, very much like the Godbinder. And then you've got the rules, which is the most, one of the most mechanic things in the game. 
Um, and so combining these rules, you get to the abilities. And early on, I was trying to make it actually, um, well, do you go back to the last question or a couple of questions about balanced? As in like, can we make this really work? And I got to the point and I realized, A, it's really hard, but B, no, I don't think it's interesting. Dice a softer game than this. You've got to make the rules. Well, yeah, it's about combining the rules to make spells, but it's got to be more soft-edged than that in terms of like, you know, these, these are not guidelines because they're pretty solid, but they're still kind of meant to be play- tools to mix their spices in a recipe, not like cogs. Um, so that was kind of like those sort of philosophical stuff was quite was tricky with the master. But like there's all manner of like emotion night was tricky for quite a while. Um, dictator was like dictator actually had a late period rewrite that safety proofing the dictator was a nightmare. Like it can't even controlling other people's um, emotions. Yeah, it's a big it's yeah, yeah, heavy, yeah yeah super heavy. Yeah, I, I yeah. must say I do appreciate though in die that it gives it that gravitas and it gives it that weight because uh i mean it's it's the tagline right of you're you're a bard if everyone was shit scared of bards and and that's what happens in a lot of other rpgs but it's kind of glossed over because that ain't the genre to to dwell on the fact that you just with your words splintered someone's mind so i really like that it uh, it lampshades that it's like this is actually a really fucked fucked up up. yeah Yeah, you're fucked up for doing this so so much of the paragraphs is that you know these are kind of like um you know taking stuff seriously that's kind of like the definition of deconstruction for me is that you know i'm gonna take stuff seriously it wasn't necessarily taken seriously in the original text and run with it um i mean that's the same as the godbinder in that way they're like the, the ridiculousness of not ridiculousness, but if you think about it, like, why? It's a miracle. My God has healed me slightly. Did he heal the whole wound? No. <laughs> Only D8 health points. You know what I mean? Like, that's ludicrous. Uh, in a fun way. And then the Godbinder takes that and runs. Uh, oh, I've got something else to say. Oh, but Paragons. Oh, it's gone. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, you can always hop in our Discord, Kieran, if you'd like to know. <laughs> well, uh, people can always I mean, hop in your Discord, the Die Discord, where they can just ask you stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was, I have lots to say about yeah. the Neo, which I played, because the Neo has a bajillion options, which is crazy to me, like how differently you can build the Neo. And, and to me, the Neo is really interesting, as opposed to the Dictator, because I got to use my powers, like, all the time. They were, like, really flavorful. I took a, the Blink Teleporter, and I just bamped everywhere. It was hilarious <laughs> and fun. Whereas the uh, Dictator is almost afraid yeah, 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 to yeah. use their powers at all sometimes. Yeah. And that felt like it was a balancing thing. It's like, my powers might not be, like, earth-shattering, but I can use them at the drop of a hat as long as I've got my my gold right at mm. the beginning of the session yeah. i just go nuts so it felt kind of that was yeah. a, a balance as well yeah. but did you take it to, how, you came up with a lot of options for the neo did that <laughs> did that take a long time no i'm, I'm just a bit terrible, like a big old cyberpunk nerd yeah uh, yeah <laughs> me too that's kind of the reason i gave phil the die <laughs> <laughs> like i'll say like cyberpunk was one of the games I, I played first edition cyberpunk back in the day yeah, like nice. uh, and then 2020 later so originally the uh actually the neo had like 23 gifts i think <laughs> the draft I handed over Jesus. to Grant. And Grant went, no, Kieran, no. Each with, each with 20 different upgrades. 3,000 words, you say? <laughs> uh, but actually, what Grant did, because actually the Nier was the class he did, he actually had the most hands in actually meddling with. Uh, and like, it was like he took the 20, you know, these 23 gifts and merged them into the, the eight or so gifts we have. And just in that kind of like, let's, and then we moved a lot of the things that were gifts into upgrades upgrades and, stuff, and that kind yeah. of way as a, oh no it's, it's just more meaningful now choices the choices matter more yeah, yeah. i mean you, you did have a big if there as long as i've got gold that's a big if yes of course yeah <laughs> and that turns on gm how, what the gm's doing and all that stuff but they're kind of the the desperate hunger oh my god i'm useless every morning 
unless you've got the upgrades, obviously. But like, even then, like, what are the choices? That's in, you know, that gives a very different sort of behaviour. If I was to sort of talk about um, the paragons broadly, most of the paragons present a problem that they have to deal with. Like the near is gold, the the god, the god binder is debt. You know, and these are basically they're normally quite inwards looking, and so they've got limitations based around that. The dictator is different. The dictator is a power fantasy, as in you can basically, if you want to, you can use this as much as you like. Yet there's no problems at all. But yeah. <laughs> you know, the problems are all you know, because other classes are problems for you. The dictators are problems for everyone else, and that's the that's the awful thing about the dictator. It's, it's um, as long as you're happy to treat people like things. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, and that's and that's of course, as we all know, evil. It's the it's the thing in the creation of hey, you get what you want, but maybe that's not exactly what you want. Yeah, maybe yeah, you yeah. wanted a person to kneel. Maybe you didn't want then. <laughs> bones to fucking physically shatter from kneeling yeah but yeah. oops you did uh, it anyway that's right <laughs> oh we do have one last fan question so this comes from targanat i hope i've pronounced that spelt like it sound uh or sounds like it's spelt if you have any advice to give to aspiring authors or designers what would it be i know partially it's uh what you said before of just do it. <laughs> That's the punk rock. But yeah, just do it. Here, you know, it's the the fam- there's a famous uh, page in Sniffing Glue, the 1970s punk fanzine. As a hit, this is the chord. This is the another. This is the third. Now form a band. Like it's just a diagram of the three chords, and then saying now you can form a band. You can do it. Um, if my advice for aspiring authors, I mean, that's kind of die. I was trying to fraction, fraction, finally read, not finally read the rule book. As I was waiting to him, but he'd seen the rule book and it was like, this is the closest anyone's going to get to how to do comics to Kieran Gillen way. Like explicitly, like I've ritualized how a, a Kieran Gillen comic works and turned it into a game. So you can do it at home. I, I'm no obsolete. In that way, do you, do you kind of center collaboration then as, as part of your process? In some ways, yes. But in other ways, like, I don't think it's really about collaboration. I, I'm more saying that this is, you can do this. And I think this has come back to me as a zine kid. I think create, being a creative person, not, not for money or anything, not just be, have it, being creative is in something that improves your worldview enormously because you are changing the world you exist in. You're externalizing your demons. You're get, like, you know yourself better. Um, I just think, I genuinely think creativity is this enormously powerful thing that shouldn't be taken for people. And like, I wanted to encourage people to do that. And that's kind of like, that so i'm sure that entirely answers the question but at least part of that is like here i am yeah i mean how how could any answer be it's sort of like <laughs> this is all they go, this is how i do it yeah uh, i hope that helps <laughs> how could there be any fully satisfying answer to how to become a, a yeah. creative you know there's no there's no 12 yeah. steps to, to success there <laughs> it's worth actually flipping the question so, so me showing how to do it is not implying it's the only way to do it as you say it's that kind of like Every, it's one of the things I regularly say somebody who taught himself everything is that um, you know we all build our own tool set and it's all writing is about finding stuff that works for you uh, and creativity is about okay what do you love and then you go okay how do they how do they do it but not everyone does this some people are much more instinctive but I think they do it subconsciously um, and then okay what's my favourite work of art then sit down and really fucking look at it okay how did you know, were talking about the bear earlier it's like how did the bear actually do that why am i falling in love with all these characters how what's the director doing like I, how many times i've read watchmen and counted panels and looked at stuff you know by taking that i'm a deconstructivist kind of guy so that's how i approach it but like you really just think about the art take it seriously because i guarantee you the people creating it did yeah i'm, I'm wow, a big, that's not as serious i'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. a big uh, uh proponent of serious fun yeah it's like fun is fun when you take it seriously oh, that's when yeah. you can really 
push it out there. <laughs> we we come from acting school, obviously, where the most fun is is you. If anyone were to look in the doorway of a bunch of actors warming up or playing their games, be like, what a bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs> it's only when you're like fully committed to like, nope, I'm going to zip when you zap, <laughs> that it really it really becomes, like you said, sacred. We, yeah. we make things sacred by... by um, Giving it our attention, right? Giving, giving it our life. passion and our love and, and fully committing to it. So I, th- I think that's a great answer. That's great. On the note of... of- what you're what you're passionate about, what you're putting your passion into. Mm. Uh, do you want to tell us and, and and tell the people listening uh, what it is you're you're working on at the moment? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to uh, big up while you have the have the chance? Well, I'm um I, my day job as a comic creator. I'm still writing X Men stuff, which will be going on. Uh, like I, I know I've said that I'm sort of heading towards the end of the story, but I've got like about eight or nine issues left to write, something like that, which is fun. Actually, by the time. <laughs> Okay, so by the time uh, this is out, uh, like I probably would have, you know, I'll be obviously written a lot more. So X Men stuff. I'm working my next set of comic projects. Like none of them are announced yet, but um, uh, if you follow my newsletter, which is Kieran Gillen, unbuttoned down, it's linked from everywhere I'm online. You'll get that. But it's really interesting and fun to dig into new stuff, which is kind of really. I, I'm somebody who got, got into creativity to do my own stuff. I, I love um, I love working in other people's universes, but for me, it's not the real work. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, you just can't do the amount of work I put for a create your own book into a Marvel book because it, it's the, the vessel does not yes. hold. I mean, like, and I stress this, I'm somebody who wrote, read all of The Idiot by Dostoevsky for, like, an issue of Immortal X-Men. Like, I don't phone it in, but it's just that you <laughs> can't do so much. So that's all fantastic. I'm really enjoying that stuff. In terms of games, uh, RRD have just announced the first Die expansion, or rather, a few months ago they announced it. Yes. Back the yeah. time this comes out, it's called Die Adventures. Uh, I've written one adventure. There's two other great adventures in there. It's going to be the first of four pack four we're going to do and see how it goes. And it's really me kind of. I mean, there's so much in the manual as you know, but like a lot of what I wanted to do with these adventures is show other ways of playing Die. And I mean that kind of the stuff we allude to in the book a bit. But like, you know, in the, okay, let's go even further. Like the adventure I'm doing is um, called Bizarre Love Triangles. And I wanted to write a hex crawl <laughs> in Die. Yeah, nice. Um, and also something which is a, a bit more like a pre-generated adventure. Like, I mean that in a kind of, because it's so improvisational. Let's, let's show people, oh, you can make a, pre-advent, a pre-gen and this is how you do it. Like Total Party Kill on the manual is a bit like that. But this is that, but more so. So you've got, you've got what happens in each of the 20 regions of the map. Um, and specifically, the, the Persona Gen is written as such. So there's certain questions you ask in Persona Gen which tie into the adventure. Like in, This encounter uses this question you asked earlier. And people can read that and go, oh, wait, I get it. By narrowing the Persona group a little bit more, I can actually write encounters about that, that archetypal person. I mean, um, have I got time to say? I was, I, I'm going to do one example. You can do as much time as you want, you got time. This is the one encounter I'm spoiling because it's... because. Bizarre of Triangle, the, the high concept is you're all people hung upon an X. You're like uh, 20, 30-something hipster people who hang out in a bar or somewhere like that. And all of you and I, can't, like one person was, uh, is unrequited. One person is fickle and has broken a lot of people's hearts. One person was left by that partner. Is it the, the something about Mary? <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, it, yes, something about I've, Mary. Or it sounds completely. to me like any D&D group. <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely the 
all of them are just different. You know what I mean? Like, so you've got someone who abandoned their partner, despite the fact they love them. And, the, you know, all this kind of... So these are these are the archetypes. And then you've got the GM, who is just fed up of this shit. Can we please stop talking about the axis? Let's play this game instead. Uh, right, like, uh, yeah. So what's that What's that one called? That uh, That's called Bizarre Love Triangles, is that adventure. Right. But specifically, the, the, event, the encounter I use is... The Fickle is the one I use, who ends up being the fool. The Fickle is somebody who's broke hearts for reasons. And it's like... Um, and, of course, you get to define that. You know, it could be completely... Like oh they were they just always cheat on them they just always do too they just weren't the, they weren't the one you know I, I need to find the one you know but like, so these are all reasons to like break someone's heart and move on but their adventure is um they you eventually it's a you explore the map and eventually hit this region and it's basically it's a woodland so it's everything's very calm and tranquil and very beautiful there's no food here no sustenance but it's very tranquil bird songs is singing uh, what sort of what's your sort of one line you would say to people what, what's your pillow talk you ask the fool and so the bird song is say, say, singing the pillow the pillow talk uh-huh. <laughs> You know, and then you re- you go in, and it's and then it's okay. Where did you take them for in the morning, first morning after? Where did you take them? And like you know, it's it's a, it's a cafe, it's a, some cafe or whatever, and that's in the middle of the woods. So the, your, this cafe is covered in blood. The only place that isn't blood covered in blood is the seat where you were you were sitting. So you're going there closer. So you eventually like explore this, and this point. Um, D six X's turn up like a hipster Nazgul coming out of the woods. <laughs> The evil exes um, from Scott oh, Pilgrim. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Ex- exactly. No, like, I think these are righteous exes. Uh, yeah, righteous exes. Yeah, like. I like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they only are going for the fool. That's the part. That's the encounter. So they're very powerful. And if any of them killed the fool, what happens is they don't actually die. They are just basically, well, the GM turns to another player and says, Tell, I want you to describe in detail what happened the, the, night, the first night of heartbreak for this person. Oh, wow. <gasps> So they get to feel oh, it. It's just more like do. John yeah. Tucker must yeah. die. <laughs> yeah, and the, then the fool does it, and then they, all the all the all they disappear, and then the um, these Nazgul, the one the other one Nazguls keep on coming up for the adventure. So basically, the, the party is being pursued at that point onwards by these exes who all basically want to force the fool to relive every single one of these things. Good for them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> good for them. I'm here, I'm here for it. <laughs> well, if that's not a, a preview of the new book, like I don't know what is. Like, uh, exactly. You know. That, I, I use that as a good example because it's kind of it's quite solid. But you see what I mean in terms of like that. That's good because you get the axis will change depending on the player. The the, uh, the location yeah. will change. All the deals will change. But like it's still a pre-generated encounter. You know what I mean? That's something that you can plug in and run. And that's kind of the aim of that. And the other adventures have different aims. Um, like one of them is like a poke. It's basically a collectible card game adventure. So it's basically using the collect- you build a collectible card deck and use that to generate the adventure. And the, the the writer has Nathan has basically made rules for how you interpret collectible cards. Uh, and no matter what deck you're playing with, oh uh, you know. So, there's a, you know <laughs> so like that. So that's what really interesting. Different ways of doing die, and, pe- and also whilst I'm saying you can run them out of the box, if any any pre-generated game, people just nick the pieces they like. That's the other yeah. side of it. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. oh. more tools. Oh, and, uh, and, and I'm doing a small itch game myself, which hopefully will be released relatively soon. I have to play test it one more time. It's called. Um, um, do you know Brindlewood Bay? Yes, I love Brindlewood the, Bay. I love it. Basically, I'm, the game's called um, How Do Aliens Do It? And it's basically you play teenagers in an information-scarce society who have gathered together to try to work out how sex works for their species. Um, so it basically uses the, the Brindlewood Bay mechanic. The 90s to all to over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I wrote it. It's explicitly to try to... Ex- what it was like growing up in the 90s. <laughs> exactly. Like, generally, there was a... a I, I saw, one of my friends saw someone online saying uh, it was so difficult as growing up like obviously there's no source about sex except you know the internet uh, <laughs> and of course we laugh we laugh yeah. so hard like, no, you should have been around when I was a kid magazines um, and it's a game about that 
yeah. the stash of right, magazines in the woods. The yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yes. um, and you flick, uh, basically the game, you generate, like, the, you draw, the, okay, I'm pretty sure sex involves our tentacles. Right? Okay, <laughs> I think sex involves our telepathic powers. And then they theorise to work out a way sex could work. And you roll to see if it's true or not. It's probably not to begin with. And then you stop, you know, and then you carry on and carry on. And it ends up being... Uh, about about queerness and um, okay, what's queer in your society? And then cause it's the, so the dice and the conversation basically guides you, and you get an idea of how sex may work in the society. And obviously, it's very playful and very funny because it's, it's, it's you know it's, it's just hilarious. So you're all playing these very confused teenagers because sex is funny. We yeah. need to say yes, that uh, more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything biological is funny. Pretty yeah. much. <laughs> I work with kids. I'm I'm dining out on fart jokes every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're playing anyway. Yeah. That. that um, might, hopefully that, I'll release that soon. That might show up on our monthly hour. one-shot. Who uh, knows? You better yeah. believe. Uh, well, several You'd months from it. now, I guess, when this... <laughs> hey, maybe you can maybe you can uh, come and run it with us. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. It's, a, it's, so, it, it's actually another embodiment game. So, like, you know, the, the whole die, um, you, you, in that, that, when you're in Cardra and you're playing your real self, you play as... You, you sit around the table and you're playing as the aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the funniest bit in the last game I played was it was involved, we realized oh, it involves tentacle and eyes. And then someone said, look at our tentacles. They're the same shape as our eyes. And we all sort of mind putting our tentacles in our eyes. And then oh. we get, uh, uh. <laughs> anyway. This is so adorable. <laughs> so it's so cute. It. It's so cute. Um, well, thank you. Sorry, I have to catch my breath now. It's too <laughs> freaking cute. Thank you so much, Kieran, for, for coming on to this show, for just chatting to us in general, but also um, we had a blast playing Die, um, truly. I think this has one, been one of the most impactful games I've ever run as a GM. Um, and, yeah, just, just thank you so much. So um, that's... Big round of applause uh, for for Kieran Gillen, our guest for this episode. And uh, as we wrap up, this is indeed the last episode pertaining to die when the party's over. But don't worry, we'll be back. We'll be back back with something new, something very special, because next episode will be the beginning of season 10 for Roll to Cast. I am relinquishing the GM burden around the shackles around my neck and I'm going to pass them over to Phil. There yes. you go you poor bastard. Yes, I will Tell be... us about what we're doing. Next up uh, we are playing a little bit of Dune uh, Adventures in the Imperium uh, so yeah we'll be uh, building our own little noble house and uh, navigating the vagaries of uh, the uh, far future politics of the Dune world. I love Dune so I'm very very excited so I hope you join us next week for our episode zero. Excellent well thank you thank you everyone and we will see you next week for a whole new adventure in Roll to Cast. Bye! Bye! <laughs> You have been listening to When the Party's Over, which is a Roll to Cast production. The best way to find us is on Twitter, Discord, and our Patreon. All our podcasts are on Acast, Spotify, YouTube, and all good podcatchers. You can support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Roll to Cast. The Die RPG is copyright of Lemon Inc. Limited and Stephanie Hahn Studio. The underlying game systems and mechanics are copyright of Rowid, Rook, and Deckard Limited. All rights reserved. Hello 
and welcome back to Roll to Cast, your favourite... Oh, <laughs> sorry, I immediately <laughs> choked on my way out. Let's redo that, shall we? <clears throat> nah, come on. It's, it's rough, just like you like this podcast. Uh- Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.